This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a smooth ride for the national defense bill. It cruised through the Senate by nearly 8 to 1 margin. The bill will abolish the military's COVID vaccine mandate. It's been a busy week for Twitter CEO Elon Musk. The social media company has suspended the accounts of journalists who reportedly violated the new anti-doxing policy. This after his son encountered someone Musk called a crazy stalker. It's been 15 years in the making, but Canadian lawmakers voted unanimously yesterday to make a bill combating forced organ harvesting law. The National Archives has released more than 13,000 files pertaining to the 1963 Kennedy assassination. We have the details. And a baker in the UK who came up with a creative idea to help with his neighborhood's rising energy bills, all at the cost of his own bottom line. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Friday, December 16th. Before we head into the weekend, here's our top story. The U.S. Senate passed the sweeping annual defense authorization bill Thursday. It authorizes a record nearly $860 billion in annual defense spending. The bill also rescinds the military's COVID vaccine mandate. The National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA, passed by an 83 to 11 bipartisan majority. It includes a nearly 5% pay raise for service members and provisions to strengthen air power and cybersecurity capabilities. In addition, it provides support for Taiwan as it faces aggression from China and for Ukraine in its war with Russia. The Senate rejected an amendment proposed by Senators Ron Johnson and Ted Cruz. It would have reinstated service members who lost their jobs for refusing the vaccine with back pay. Some of those who opposed objected to the ever-rising military budget. Senator Ed Markey says the money could be better used tackling poverty, disease and injustice. Meanwhile, fiscal conservatives called for tighter controls on spending. The Defense Act next heads to the White House, where President Biden is expected to quickly sign into law. And we have an updated border strategy from the Biden administration. Here's what the White House says about it, as Title 42 is expiring in just a few days. Entity's Iris Tao has more. The Department of Homeland Security has released an updated plan to prepare for a surge of illegal immigrants at the southern border. That says Title 42, a pandemic-era policy used to turn away millions of illegal immigrants, is set to expire next Wednesday. The plan made public this week includes staffing surges, accelerated processing of border crossers, more detention tents, and more prosecution of smugglers. But a six-point document contains no major structural changes from a similar plan released back in April. When asked if the administration has an estimate of how many illegal immigrants are expected next week, here's the White House answer. I don't have an estimate to share. Uh, we are focused and we are prepared. Uh, we will have more to share in the uh, next coming days. Republicans, meanwhile, accused the Biden administration of doing too little too late. He has no plan to deport the more than a million people who have active deportation orders in our country. And some Democrats also voicing concerns. Texas Congressman Henry Quayler joining Republicans and urging President Biden to check out the border. Just showing up at the border 
uh, would send a strong signal to the communities that uh, he's there. Even before Title 42 expires, Quitter says there are about 50,000 people already at the border waiting to get in. And according to CNN, DHS is projecting that once the policy ends, about 9,000 to 14,000 migrants could try to get into the country illegally each day. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Brandon Carr, the FCC's top Republican commissioner, sat down with CNN for an interview, he discussed a nationwide push to ban TikTok on U.S. government devices. And today's Daniel Monaghan has the story. Millions of Americans are on TikTok, including over two-thirds of teens. They believe that it's a fun platform and that there is nothing sinister about it. However, Carr says that's just the sheep's clothing. Underneath of it, it operates as a sophisticated surveillance tool. It's pulling everything from search and browsing history, keystroke patterns, potentially biometrics, including face prints and voice prints. And for years, we were told, don't worry, none of this is stored in China. But there was some internal communication from TikTok leaked over the summer that showed, quote, everything is seen back in China. Carr says that the national security concerns are real. He says the Senate bill banning TikTok on government devices was an important step, but that more needs to be done. He says parents should be concerned. A report just came out yesterday that New York Times covered that said within 30 minutes of a 13-year-old going on TikTok, they are fed content about eating disorders, about uh, self-harm, suicide. The journalist asked whether the TikTok content encourages self-harm and eating disorders. And Carr said that's what the information is showing. Carr then explained how the parent company of TikTok, ByteDance, does not show that kind of content to kids in China. And there they demonstrate educational material, museum exhibits, science experiments. That's the content that kids there are being shown. Kids here are being shown things like the Blackout Challenge, which encourages kids to strangulate themselves. In fact, we had 15 kids die from doing the Blackout Challenge under 12 years old in this country. Carr then discussed a letter he sent to the Justice Department asking its antitrust regulators to look at Google's and Apple's handling of TikTok. He also suggested that tech companies should remove TikTok from their app store. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Twitter on Thursday suspended the accounts of journalists who covered the social media platform. Among them were reporters working for the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Voice of America, and other publications. Here's Musk on a Twitter Spaces conference with journalists. As I'm sure everyone who's been doxing uh, would agree, you know, uh, showing real-time uh, information about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate, and I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done to them. And, and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. No special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. The sudden suspension of news reporters followed Musk's decision Wednesday to permanently ban an account that automatically tracked the flights of his private jet using publicly available data called Elon Jet. That also led Twitter to change its rules for all users to prohibit the sharing of another person's current location without their consent. The reporters defended their actions on Twitter Spaces conference, saying that in the course of reporting about Elon Jet, they posted links to it. But according to Musk, the links to Elon Jet have his real-time location, which is the same as posting it directly. Musk tweeted on Thursday, quote, criticizing me all day long is totally fine, but doxing my real-time location and endangering my family is not. 
Meanwhile, Musk tweeted a public survey on the topic late last evening. He wrote, unsuspend accounts who dox my exact location in real time. The poll had two options, now or in seven days. With nearly two million people responding so far, nearly 60% responded now. And over in Canada, lawmakers voted unanimously yesterday to pass a Senate bill that combats forced organ harvesting taking place in China. The law will create new offenses for organ trafficking and tourism. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the law 15 years in the making. An exciting day and a step forward. That's what the sponsor of the bill, Garnet Jenis, had to say about the bill's passage. After 15 years of effort, we're finally get, going to get the bill banning forced organ harvesting and trafficking uh, to pass Parliament. Uh, and I want to salute all those who have been involved in this effort over the last 15 years. It's a great day. Jenis says he wishes the bill would have passed sooner, but it's better late than never. He says the successful passage is thanks to the efforts of a large number of people and that the biggest contribution has been from the community that's gone out and gathered petition signatures. I want to recognize, of course, David Kilgore, David Matus did the initial work of, of uncovering and exposing uh, all that was happening in China with forced organ harvesting and, and, and trafficking. And of course, the Falun Gong community has been, has been so active, protesting, petitioning. Members of parliament across party lines unanimously voted in support of the bill, but successful passage didn't come overnight. The first iteration of the bill was proposed back in 2008. After multiple versions of similar legislation failed to culminate, it finally came to fruition. Authors of previous bills say they were inspired by the work of Canadian human rights lawyer David Matus and late former Member of Parliament David Kilgore. Matus and Kilgore were pioneers in exposing and fighting against organ harvesting crimes. They released a groundbreaking report in 2006 called Bloody Harvest and a book of the same name in 2009. They concluded the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, orchestrated forced organ harvesting from Falun Gong practitioners on a large scale, killing them in the process to sell their body parts for profit. Falun Gong is a meditation and spiritual discipline based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. The persecution of practitioners in China started in 1999 and is ongoing today. Matus called the new legislation life-saving. Conservative Member of Parliament Michael Chong says it's long past time for Canada to take action against authoritarian regimes abroad, particularly the one in China. And that previous approaches taken by Western democracies in getting them to improve issues of human rights have proven to be unsuccessful. All that has happened over the last 30 years with broadening and deepening trade and investment ties is that we have provided these authoritarian regimes with the wealth and prosperity that they are now using to reinforce their authoritarianism. Chong says Canada needs to take a stronger stand on defending values like freedom, democracy, human rights and the rule of law and that it begins at home by passing measures like this. The law will make it a criminal offence for a Canadian citizen or permanent resident to go abroad to receive an organ taken from someone who did not give informed consent. It will also amend the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act to deny a permanent resident or foreign national access to Canada if they've engaged in activities relating to the barbaric practice. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Thousands of documents pertaining to the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy were released by the U.S. National Archives yesterday. President Kennedy has been assassinated. It's official now. The president is dead. 
President Biden issued an executive order authorizing the release, keeping hundreds of other sensitive records secret. The release of the nearly 13,000 new documents is not expected to reveal any new information nor change the conclusion of the case. In 1992, Congress ordered the full release of all files by October 2017, with an exception for those authorized to be withheld by the president. Former President Donald Trump authorized the release of files on a rolling basis. The release of the remaining records was supposed to conclude by December 15, 2021, but President Biden postponed this for a further year, citing the pandemic and following an extensive year-long review. Yesterday's release means that more than 95% of files have now been made public. According to the National Archives, over 3,000 documents remain withheld, over 500 of which are in full. We want to pause for a second here with a message from our sponsor, Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold is thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as currency, the Goldback. It's the world's first physical interchangeable gold money that is designed to accommodate even small transactions. To date, four separate series of goldbacks exist, Nevada, New Hampshire, Utah, and Wyoming. Each of those sets have beautiful old-fashioned designs with a symbolic representation of a virtue. That's right. This month, you'll get a free gold back for every $5,000 purchased when you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd. Text NTD to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and talk to one of their precious metal specialists. And coming up, former Peruvian President Pedro Castillo is being detained for a further 18 months in prison. It follows an ongoing investigation into corruption. Leftist supporters of the ousted president are demanding his release amid ongoing violence. And the world's largest freestanding cylindrical aquarium in Berlin burst earlier this morning. It was home to around 1,500 exotic fish. Find out more after the break. Good to have you back with us. Ousted Peruvian President Pedro Castillo was sentenced to a further 18 months in custody by a Peruvian court yesterday. Castillo's pretrial detention was extended pending an investigation into criminal charges against him. He was arrested last week after he sought to dissolve Congress to avoid a third impeachment vote. Heavy protests from leftist supporters have followed, demanding Castillo's release, the dissolution of Congress, and new elections. The ongoing political unrest in the country has now seen a death toll of at least 14 people. According to the country's public health ministry, at least 40 people remain hospitalized for injuries suffered during the turmoil. In California, air regulators approved an aggressive plan Thursday to reach carbon neutrality by 2045. It's in line with legislation signed by Governor Gavin Newsom earlier this year, known as the Scoping Plan. It looks to move the fourth largest economy in the world to renewable energy and away from fossil fuels. The goal is a 94% drop in demand for liquid petroleum fuel, mainly driven by a move away from gas-powered vehicles. The California Air Resources Board says the plan will create 4 million jobs and save Californians $200 billion in health costs for pollution-related illnesses by 2045. Skeptics are criticizing the plan for a reliance on carbon capture, a technology they say is unproven and unworkable. Board members acknowledge that the plan is a roadmap and that not all of what is laid out may come to fruition. 
And if you're looking to travel over the holidays but are worried it'll cost too much, don't fret. Here's Entity's Cost M&S with some of the best tips ahead of the busy holiday travel season, which might just save you a bundle. It's a busy time for travel as the holiday season is upon us, but it doesn't have to cost the earth. The busiest and most expensive day for travel is this coming Saturday. However, travel expert Melanie Fish has some suggestions that could ease the burden on your wallet. Fly on Monday. Fly on Tuesday. I'm seeing some really good fares there. They can be about 20% lower than traveling on that Saturday. She says the second busiest and most expensive day to fly will be Thursday, December 22nd. If you want the ultimate deal, fly on the holiday. I actually have tickets booked to fly home on New Year's Day. Not only are you getting great value, I kind of like the quiet of the airports on those actual holidays. It always pays to book tickets in advance whenever possible. But for those who haven't yet booked and might not be able to swing the budget, Fish says not all is lost. There is this magical thing in the travel business called shoulder season. And what shoulder season is, is these windows of opportunity right before and after really busy travel times when demand tends to drop in popular destinations, and so do the prices. Data from Hotels.com shows some unbelievably low prices for a lot of nice hotels, with some less than $150 per night right after the new year, making it the perfect time to travel. Cost MNS. NTD News. Over in Germany, an aquarium in Berlin, home to around 1,500 exotic fish, burst this morning. Emergency services says it spilled over 250,000 gallons of water and debris onto a major road. It was the world's largest freestanding cylindrical aquarium at 46 feet tall. Berlin police said on Twitter that two people were injured by glass splinters, in addition to causing unbelievable maritime damage. Around 100 emergency responders rushed to the scene. The leisure complex houses a Radisson hotel, a museum, shops and restaurants. But they were unable to access the ground floor of the building because of the debris. Search and rescue dogs were sent to the scene. Around 350 people who were staying at the hotel were asked to pack their belongings and leave the building. It was still unclear what caused the aquarium to burst. Neither the fire brigade nor the police commented on the fate of the fish. And next, we talked to a bakery owner who came up with a creative idea to help with his neighbor's energy bills. Find out how he helps after the break. Welcome back. Gas prices are still sky high in the UK. Many are struggling to keep warm this winter, let alone throw in the oven for a Christmas cake. But in one English town in North Yorkshire, Baker at Truitt is warming hearts. He has opened up his oven and a lounge to the public to share his warmth. When people start originally started worrying about the prices shooting up, um, it occurred to us that we had um, massive bread oven going and it was generating an awful lot of heat. And that heat was going up through the ceiling, up through the floor into rooms that we weren't really using. They were just storage rooms. 
So we um, empty the storage rooms, we decorate them, made them comfortable, and we've opened them up and said to people, come and use this space, and you don't have to pay to keep it warm, and you don't have to sit and worry about whether you're going to have the heating on this morning or tonight, or whether you can have it on both times, but that means you can't afford to eat. So, because things really are that bad here at the moment uh, for right. a lot of our community. The, uh, we're on the on the edge of things before this started, and now it's just pushed over, and there will be fatalities this year uh, because people are worried about putting the heating on. So, right. and as you say, many are struggling with these increasing costs. Now I'm wondering, you know, how are you doing with that as well? How are you shouldering that as a business? We're, we're, well, we're in a horrible situation. Um, just as an example, just to give you an example, our bread oven, the, the oven that we were talking about, that used to cost me about a £1,000 a month to run that bread oven for electric. It's now costing me £2,200 a month. At the moment, we're, we're surviving because, personally, I'm subsidizing the business. I'm working 120 hours a week at the moment, and I haven't paid myself any money from the business since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, because I couldn't, I can't bring myself to take money out of it when I know there's other people out there that are struggling and are in a desperate situation. And if we can help a little bit, then that's what we should be doing. Why did you decide to take all of that upon yourself to help others? It's it's not all of it. I think that we could all do a little bit. It's it, it's it's important that we help each other. Everybody deserves a treat because that's what makes getting through the rubbish parts of life bearable. Just a tiny little treat. And so, if we can do that, or if we can help people to. Um, Give the family a Christmas cake made with true love and feeling rather than some plastic piece of tat that nobody really even wants as a Christmas present. Mm. Then, yeah, they're valuable things to do and they're important things to do. And whilst I can survive not taking any money out because I can scrounge off my elderly parents and, you know, and I can sleep at their house the one night where I do sleep, um, then it's worth it because what we do as a community is important and we need to look after each other we need to look after each other indeed and how many people are coming in now usually what kind of feedback do you get from them half the time i don't even know who's in there and i don't know how many is in there and that's how it should be they just let themselves in they come in through their own entrance they make themselves a cup of tea or coffee, they sit for a little while. I don't even know they've been there. But the place is quite busy because when I do pop up occasionally, there's always a nice buzz of people chatting and there's always some cleaning up to do at the end of the day. So it's it's been busy. Right. And what message do you want to send with your act of kindness? I think the biggest message is it's not a huge... You know, Cooking somebody's Christmas cake isn't a massive thing. It doesn't cost me anything. I've got the ovens on anyway. Opening up a space that was here anyway that and just repurposing it, it hasn't been a massive thing for me to do. It hasn't cost me an awful lot of money. But it's made a massive amount of difference to quite a lot of people. Tiny things can make massive differences. 
And if we all remembered that, maybe we could start our own epidemic of small kind actions. And then we might all be in a more comfortable position. An epidemic of kindness. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Ed Sherwood. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Great guy. You know, demand seems to be high. He said in the last three weekends, he baked almost 50 Christmas cakes in that oven. Oh, that's a lot of work. And we end the show with a heartwarming story. The Los Angeles County Animal Care and Control this week shared a letter it received from a child asking permission to keep a unicorn at home. The little girl Madeline wrote, Dear LA County, I would like your approval if I can have a unicorn in my backyard if I can find one. Please send me a letter in response. Director Marsha Maeda replied with a letter along with a pre-approved unicorn license and a plush toy unicorn with a heart-shaped license tag. The officials granted permission for the girl to keep a unicorn at home, provided she follows strict guidelines. That is if she can find one, saying they are indeed very rare to find. Photos of the license in Madeline's letter were posted to the agency's social media, and the post praises the girl for having a sense of responsible pet ownership to seek permission in advance as well as being thoughtful to consider the requirements of providing a loving home to animals. That's really awesome. In case every, anybody was wondering how to care for the unicorn, I have the official instructions here okay, let's by hear the it. LA County. So the unicorn needs regular access to sunlight, moonbeams, and rainbows. It needs its favorite treat at least once a week. That's watermelon. Its horn requires polishing at least once a month with a soft cloth. Wow, unicorns are high maintenance. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they seem like they are. <laughs> so, She's really prepared. Can you imagine that, finally finding a unicorn and then not having the permit? Ah, uh, good on that little girl for thinking <laughs> ahead. All right, if you have any other unicorn stories, I think we're always open for it. <laughs> Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. That's it for today. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.